said, it's uh, an absolute honor and a privilege uh, to be here tonight, uh, especially as an Alberta liberal. I'm used to talking to people with five people in the room. So this is a very uh, robust and a guest crowd, and it is truly, uh, uh, like I said, a privilege for me to be here. It's also wonderful for me to be back in Lethbridge. My uh, grandfather uh, farmed in the Noblethorpe region for a number of years, retired here in 1977, and we spent uh, many a glorious day here in Lethbridge, and so my memories go back uh, a long way. Also, my cousins run a moving company here in Lethbridge called Gentle Giant Movers. So if you need a moving company, call my cousins. Now, after that, I won't vote for their service, but I do know they're in the yellow pages, and we can go from there. And also, hey, I've had a brief chance to talk to people in this room here earlier. I'm of the understanding that we all don't see eye to eye on this issue. And that's fair. I understand that. But it's my greatest hope we can talk about these issues in an open and honest uh, forthright manner, do it in a respectful way where we're uh, debating the issue, not the, the people involved, and that we move forward on that basis. Because if we can't talk about things in a civil society, well, then we're uh, all out of luck. So hopefully uh, I will respect that. I know our moderator will do as well, and I hope uh, we all uh, take part in the discussion with that, with that being the case. I can also, uh, I, I guess, say that uh, it's, uh, it's great to be back in the legislature as an MLA. It's truly uh, one of those unique positions you get to have where you get to hold the government to account, you get to ask hard questions, and the odd time put up an idea of your own. And as Lisa alluded to, that was done in a private average members bill that I sponsored earlier in in 2012. As for me, uh, I'm 43 years old, uh, been a lifelong Albertan. My uh, parents are public school, retired public school teacher. My dad actually started his career in Tabor and uh, taught for two years, I believe, in Noblesburg, right back. And uh, then when we moved to Calgary, I had the opportunity to go to public school in, in that neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood called Varsity. Varsity had really three distinct neighborhoods in the overall jurisdiction. We had Varsity, uh, Varsity Acres, and uh, Varsity Estates. Different types of kids from different socioeconomic backgrounds lived in all three of those jurisdictions. In the main, we went to the local public school. Marion Carson Elementary School. There I went to school with kids of different backgrounds, of different races, different religions, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Most of the people who lived in Garcia uh, States, they happened to be in the oil industry. In the other, uh, in the other uh, areas around my community, they did different sorts of occupations and the like. But we all met at Marion Carson. We learned out a deal with our differences, our differences, uh, whether they be on religious or from our wealth backgrounds or otherwise. They're on the playground, they're in the schools, they're in the classroom. And I think in the main, a large part of who I am today was formed 
of taking part in schools like that. Because in my view, the large part of going to school is not necessarily the scores you get in reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's how you learn to see the other. How you learn to get along with people who are different than yourself. And that's what the local public school fosters. The ability to learn other people's ideas, other people's backgrounds, and share with each other your backgrounds, your beliefs, and how we all work it out together in the end. And how we all have to work later on in our lives with people from all sorts of different religions, all sorts of different backgrounds other than ourselves. And I think that is best served through the public education system. And primarily, I'll throw one of my arguments right now, is that uh, private schools, in my view, and to separate children on the basis of wealth and or religion. We can go down the statistics and look at what kind of kids go to what schools, but you are separated on those bases. In my view, you're entitled to your private school, but I don't think the government should be fostering this type of difference in an education system. But what I would try to do in my presentation through some of the historical background of, of what the differences are like in education, what governments are required to do, what uh, a bit of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms stands on this, a little bit of the statistics on private schools, some arguments I formulate as to why uh, I believe public school systems uh, are should be the ones that are funded. And going uh, to open up discussions about this issue or any other issues you may have on your mind in regards to uh, politics in Alberta. But we'll go from here with that sort of being the backdrop. Canada was formed in 1867 on the, on the Constitution Act, clearly Section 91 and 92. It separates into provincial and federal powers. And uh, obviously, Section 92 relates to our provincial government. Provincial governments under the uh, Constitution Act uh, were given the education portfolio. Section 93 states, in and for each province, the legislature may exclusively make laws in relation to education, subject and according to the following provisions. I won't put the following provisions because they go on for a couple of pages and we don't have that type of time. But if you, if you look back as to what, to what was discussed in the Constitution at times, what we had was Upper Canada and Lower Canada getting together with New Brunswick and New Brown. Especially in Upper Canada, you had a strong uh, French-Canadian background as well as a strong Roman Catholic background, as well as you had that in the New Brunswick legislature. And uh, the other, other areas were too inclined to see education in their own ways. So it was natural that those people who got together at the Constitution discussions would want to see education be at the purview of the province. They wanted that under the control. They wanted to see education systems developed that reflected what they believed were their values at that time. The Alberta Act was created in 1905. That created us the province. 
and the government of Alberta has stipulated under the Constitution Act must fund public schools, Catholic schools, and francophone schools in this province. Interestingly, um, by, by the nature of the Alberta Act, the Saskatchewan Act, and I believe it's the Manitoba Act, we are three of the unique legislatures who have this written into our constitutions. Other, other uh, our, our provinces that were formed earlier do not have this unique provision in it. In fact, in Alberta at this time, in any jurisdiction where the minority faith or minority language right has, has three people that petition the government uh, to review whether they should have a one of these schools into it, the government is under its duty to do a study to look into whether the numbers uh, in the population warrant having that type of school there. That is written into our constitution is still what the government of Alberta is required to follow. Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It reaffirms, although the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, some of us uh, in this room knows is a fairly agnostic document when it comes to religion. In fact, uh, Section 15 states that anything the government is involved in cannot be discriminated on the base of race, uh, religion, disability, gender, and, and the like, equality provisions therein. So you would think on a reading of this document that uh, uh, by funding of any religious schools would probably be out. But no, there's a, in section 23, it specifically recognizes section 93 of the Constitution Act. So it goes back and recognizes our historical roots and says despite the Charter of Rights and Freedoms is sort of ag agnostic to religious values. We recognize that Canada was formed under these provisions and that thus we have to recognize them in the, the structures of our school systems as they exist. Where you might know that the American government has a firm and strict separation of church and state. Any uh, school that wishes to have a, a religious orientation to it does not receive any public dollars. And that is the uh, doctrine that they have followed uh, since their constitution in 1776. We, are uh, our, our framers of the constitution acted differently, and this is reflected in our charter values when we repatriated the constitution in, in, in 1982. Is that right, Lisa? All right, there we go. I got something right. History of private schools in Alberta. We've had private schools in Alberta that date back to the 1840s. Private schools were officially recognized since uh, 1946, and they were actually brought in for uh, funding in Alberta in 1967 by the so-called government under Ernest May. Uh, I don't have the exact calculation there. I estimate 25%, because at that time, Premier Manning said, $100 will go to every kid who attends a private school. And I think, Louise, I didn't quite get the full research done there. I believe it was a $400 grant that went to every kid who went to private school. This was increased under uh, Premier Peter Lougheed in about 1974 to represent 
a straight 50% funding under this model. And in fact, the education minister who brought it in at the time was Mr. Dave King. And uh, Dave King is still around in political circles. And interestingly, he's had a almost a 180 uh, on this issue since that time. He, uh, he fully believes this was a wrong decision by the Lockheed government and is essentially, uh, I guess, joined uh, my side of the argument, believing that uh, private schools should receive no funding. But that's just an interesting bit of history. And uh, under Premier Don, that increased to 60% of funding. And under Premier Stelmack, it increased to 70% of funding. Interesting, and you'll see the next slide here. Uh, uh, this is a political decision. Our politicians have made this a political decision. They have said, we will fund these uh, for, for reasons that, uh, of X, Y, and Z. Often that comes down to the, the mantra when I asked about this issue in the legislature. Uh, we need choice in education. And choice is synonymous from the government's point of view to uh, private schooling. And to, to talk about how this is a political decision, Premier Stomach, when he was running for the leadership of the, the Progressive Conservative Party, openly went around to private schools in this province and said, look, if I'm Premier, I'm going to raise the funding to 70%. I've got a lot of support in that community, and sure enough, he followed through on that promise. So, often, uh, in my view, uh, politics gets in the way of the policy, but that's the fault of us politicians, and I know that, and I am one of those. So, believe me, uh, our party does, does things as well to try to move votes that may not be always the uh, wisest moves or not. So, we'll continue on. Most, most, uh, there's uh, only five provinces in the, the country who uh, funds uh, private schools. Uh, five do not, the territory governments do not either. Alberta is, uh, is the leader in this movement, uh, funding schools. Uh, most of the private schools at uh, a 70% per student grant of the grant at uh, the local public school. Uh, Manitoba, Quebec, and Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has just recently started this, uh, starting in September of 2013. So they just started, uh, I mean, they started, they're, they're starting in September of, uh, 2013. So they too are doing Ontario, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and Nova Scotia have no funding to private schools. So, there are different political decisions made across this, this country for reasons that the government of the day believes are valid. And uh, so you go from there. Over 150 private schools in Alberta, they tend to break down. 44% uh, are religious, 39% are, are either elite private schools or they charge significant tuitions like uh, you'll see on the next slides many of the uh, uh, special academies in uh, Calgary and other areas around here are, are offering a unique, uh, in their view, educational experience and 17% breakdown in language. Interestingly, of this 150 private schools, 
a large portion, in fact the majority, are schools of less than 10 people. Okay? They're schools of less than, than 10 people in various areas and jurisdictions uh, around Alberta. They qualify for the grant and somehow are running a, a school of 10, uh, 10 people. I don't know quite how that looks. Hopefully it's serving their students well, but that's uh, the nature of private schools in Alberta. Here we go. Here's uh, some of the, uh, uh, these are the, some, the thir some of the 13 largest uh, private schools in Alberta. Uh, you can go by their uh, average parental income. West Island College, 386,000. Strathcona Tweedsmere, 367,000. Uh, Rundle College and the like, all the way down. I believe uh, we have some people, some of my good friends from Emmanuel Christian School are in the back there. Some students are here, and uh, uh, they have uh, a little less parental income. And you also look at special needs students at most of these schools. They're not going there. Why? Because the one private schools don't have to take them. They do not have to take kids with disabilities. That is fully within their purview. They do not have to take kids with IPP programs. Okay? And many of them choose not to. Okay? You can see by their numbers reflected in the air. I'm not making up this statistic. Those are reported in Alberta government uh, statistics manuals. So they're not open to these student bodies. Okay? We do have some, some schools that are set up specifically for children with disabilities. Uh, County Academy, uh, where it has uh, almost 100% of their students who are special needs students. Rundle College Academy, which has almost, uh, or it has 100% of their students with special needs. But I also point out that those two schools in Calgary, you know, have significant wealth attached to their parent groups. Okay? The, uh, the, uh, you'll turn on the next slide. You can go to their next slide. You can look at the tuition rates. At West Island College, 13,000. Strathcona Tweedsmuir, 17,000. Rundle College, 11,000. Uh, it goes on and on. Are these schools available to the average Alberta to attend? I leave that question open to you. In my view, they're not. The average Alberta cannot afford that after uh, tax income. How can they? It's simply uh, an exercise in they're not able to attend. And even if you look at the, the Rundle College Academy that specializes in disabled students, well, guess what? I guess if you're lucky enough to come from a family that has significant wealth, you get to attend there. Otherwise, the public school is your option. So I point those out as those are the facts. and. Uh, in my view, this uh, seriously puts in the question of equality of opportunity, whether uh, governments should be funding uh, elite private schools for wealthy kids. In my view, it's not necessary, not needed, and in my view, 
I would like to, like I said at the beginning, you're entitled to your private school. In my view, you're not entitled to public funding. I would oftentimes, and I think the educators have come to this conclusion too, kids learn best from kids. Okay? So when we tend to break things down on socioeconomic areas like this, and statistically kids who come from wealthier socioeconomic backgrounds do better at school, you're separating those children from being able to help your, your other children in your education system. And I don't think we should be accelerating that happening. If people want a private school, that's their right. But in my view, governments have no corresponding right to fund that. In fact, uh, let's bring back that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Some of you may, or the Jewish parents in Ontario, in 1995, who challenged uh, the Ontario government's decision not to fund private schools, saying we'll work. the argument will work taxpayers too. Why, why can't our school, our religious school, or our private school receive full funding, full funding from the government? And they base their claim on uh, on freedom of religion and uh, freedom of expression and discrimination under the government clause. Well, it's a long decision. It's around 120 pages. But at the end of the, a very well-reasoned decision, the government of the day, or the Supreme Court specifically ruled that the government is required to fund a public schooling option. To choose some other option outside the choice. There's no corresponding right for the government to fund that choice. Can I break it down to there in a pretty simplistic way? In that uh, the government provides a community, a community swimming pool. If you don't like that swimming pool, or you don't like the people that go to that swimming pool, you make your own swimming pool. Does the government have an obligation to fund that swimming pool? No. That's your choice. And I often see this issue in very similar ways. And the Supreme Court has to as as well on this. The government the the Supreme Court made no reference to whether governments are allowed to do that or not. It just stated there is no obligation for governments to fund private schools outside of those in their constitutional responsibility. Here we go. How far is funding school works based on 70% of what a student grant is to the public system. So it works out from uh, 6,300 to about a 4,400. Total public funding allocated to private schools was $193 million. Often an argument I hear in favor of private schools is that it saves the public money. Okay, you're only giving us 70%. Why are you guys complaining? We're doing you a favor. We're actually covering the cost for government. Okay? I, in my view, that, that argument holds no water. Not, no validity at all. It's not based in reality or in fact. Uh, when we look at the air, turn the next thing. We, uh, we have other jurisdictions that have cut off uh, private funding for public schools have found that roughly 25% of those kids return to the public, public schools. 75% remain with their, their school of choice. 
Okay? There's a there's a hundred percent of the students stayed in the private school system. The Alberta government would save the full hundred and ninety three million dollars. If seventy two point five percent of its students stayed in the private system, the Alberta government would save approximately hundred and twenty twenty four million dollars. If fifty percent of its students stayed in the private school system, a number that I do not think would be reached at all. At all. The Alberta government would save fifty six million dollars. So I don't buy that argument in one iota as a need for uh, for private schools. It doesn't wash with me. It doesn't wash with other jurisdictions that have gone down this path. So that's where I am on this issue. It's not a cost saving. Even if it was, which I for well don't believe, I would still welcome the opportunity for all our kids to be learning in one school environment because I've gone through the arguments before. It seems to make more sense to what we want in a civil and democratic society. And you can always fall back on the line. Education to the Minister of Education always does this sort of education to investment, not an expense. So there you go. Why complicated education? I've gone through these arguments before. Foundation of a democratic and civil society. Uh, we understand people uh, from different uh, religions and ethnicity ensures uh, an inclusive society that we're viewing each other as equals, not as different or separate from us. They're, those are different people than us, so they go to a different school. Okay, or you know, this is a the Edmonton is Maley Academy. We only have as Maley students come to our school. My view, I don't think that's beneficial. And if you look at the demographics coming into Alberta, uh, the vast majority of people are coming in from outside of this country. So, in my view, it's best for them going forward and for us uh, going forward to learn about each other at an early age. It makes things easier uh, at, uh, at that end. Another thing that the public school system does. Everyone can go. Kids with a disability can go, kids with a learning problem, kids with an IPP. What the evidence shows in that graph, I showed, maybe not all schools, but a large portion of private schools say, this is not an option for you. The statistics don't lie on that. This is not an option for your disabled child. This is not an option for your learning disabled child. You go to the public system. And in my view, that's almost argument enough why we shouldn't receive public funding. If you receive public funding, you should open your doors to all, all people. So there's another list. Uh, it's similar to the one I just gave, so I won't uh, I won't uh, beat that uh, beat that horse in a. And that brings me to my private mem members motion, as uh, Lisa alluded to. Private member bills have relatively little chance of success. So why would I be so foolhardy to bring this motion before the legislature? I believe it's worth discussion. In my view, the average Albertan is not aware that private schools are being funded by public dollars. I think, and I don't have statistics to bear this out, I would say 75% of people believe that if you're a private school, if you're privately operated, you're privately funded. 
I don't believe uh, people do that. In fact, when I talk to people on the street, some people uh, uh, around town, they don't understand that. My job as a, as a legislator is to bring things to the public attention. Whether it's truly in our, our public interest to be going down that path, and uh, besides, I'm going to tell you frankly, it polls pretty well. Okay? This issue with the vast majority of Albertans uh, may be uh, the one ticket item uh, the Alberta Liberals talk about that has any play. Okay? It polls well with the general public. The average, when we polled on this issue, we don't do much polling. Okay? We just don't have the money or the resources. Our polls found 70% of Albertans are fully fine with this concept. Okay? Now, that's where I'm at with this issue. I've uh, enjoyed, hopefully, explaining to you my position on this. I fully expect this not to happen over the night. Uh, as you're aware, I, I think I said earlier I was 43, right? Okay? For the vast majority of my life, the progressive conservatives have been in power. Okay? And it, it reminds me uh, of democracy. You know, there might be three longest running governments in the world. Longest, we got the communists in China under, under Mao, the Long March, and the various reiterations after that. Then you got the Castro brothers in Cuba since 1959. And then you have the Progressive Conservative Party of Alberta. It's truly an amazing accomplishment that they've done. They, they really have. And you know what? Although I'm sometimes a grumpy uh, opposition MLA seeming to be complaining all the time, I know my butt landed in butter when I was born in this great province in 1969. It truly has been. My life has been blessed having lived here and being able to take part. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. But at this time, I open up to your questions, your concerns, and where I might be wrong. Well. So I think we have to have a microphone. Um, you 